Today is January 12th, and this is the 34th episode of the MMA Mike podcast. First episode of the new year of 2021, and what better way to kick it off than with my close friend, Jack? How you doing, there buddy? is no better way, Mike. There is no, no better, better way, way to kick off some of our UFC talk in 2021. What a year it was in 2020, though. For a year that was totally bombarded with all of this nonsense, I, I think Dana White pulled off probably the biggest amount of win. stress. You know, like you could look B- at biggest fan biggest and win pulling off the Thunderdome and everything. I think that I still think that's cool as a wrestling fan. But Dana White probably brought in more revenue this way than he did during uh, 2019, 2018, with the amount of classic fights that went down, as well as all the buzz heading into this year. I mean, we're kicking off this year with probably one of the bigger fights. Uh, uh, in recent history with McGregor and Poirier getting the, the notorious one back in in the octagon. So what what were your thoughts on the 2020 uh, campaign for uh, the ultimate fighting championship? Yeah, I mean, while things were normal and, um, you know, the first part of the year, I feel like the UFC was kind of rolling the same way. And then I think they, they weren't able to have, uh, I think it was like two events due to COVID. And then they had to move uh, UFC 249 maybe once or twice until they finally got that date where they had it take place. Um, so, you know, there was a couple weeks without fights, but there was no sports on. And when fights came back, I think they, I mean, they definitely did better than they ever were doing reason because nothing else was on and it draw, you know, and a little bit of a new crowd and got some new eyes on it and uh, probably carried over even once other sports came back and they created new fans. They created, you know, new eyes uh, on them and definitely had a win of a year, even though 2020 was a little crazy. But uh, for the UFC and for fighting, I think it was a little bit of a win. And they got off to a hot start, too, because it was McGregor versus Cowboy to kick off the year. And he's doing the exact same thing this year, kicking off the year with arguably his biggest star in McGregor, who retired two more times in 2020, if you're counting. That's four times now that the guy's retired. Um, At this point, it's like not even a publicity stunt. Like, why why are you retiring so many times? But uh, again, like you were alluding to, I think the first uh, organization or association or league that got back to work first was going to draw in a major audience when it came to live streams and broadcasts and ratings because nothing else was on. Like you said, like the pandemic swiped everything uh, out of, out of uh, proportion. It, it took everything off the table when it came to live television broadcast in, in at least the sports world. So Dana White, uh, you know, no fucks given. He's going to get himself back to work as soon as possible. He's probably the only public figure out there that uh, uh, vehemently uh, went out of his way to s- support Donald Trump during the election, uh, which you got to respect too. I mean, Dana White, um, aside from Vince McMahon, is probably one of the more crazier SOBs out there when it comes to businessmen uh, adapting to new things and uh, being ahead of the curve, so to speak, when it comes to, again, uh, having that mentality to go ahead and say, F this, like, you're going to build a a wall around us, we're just going to tear right through it. Because, again, when it came to COVID protocols, there's none better than UFC right now. They're probably the most prone uh, to getting the disease, given that it's a contact sport, probably the biggest contact sport out there. And he still managed uh, to be uh, one of the more safer guys uh, for his for his sport than any other organization. Yeah, when I actually was – and I think I might have mentioned this to you like weeks, weeks back. But when I was uh, – when I had COVID and I was in isolation and quarantine, I uh, I watched this four episode documentary of the UFC and how they put on uh, Fight Island and how they came back and Dana White got a whole bunch of shit, a whole bunch of shit for being the four, first sport coming back, coming back too early, this that. How are you going to be safe? You know, are you going to be safe enough? This that. So you know that guy went through a hell of a stressful year of 2020. Although it was it was definitely uh, well worth, and he definitely um, found success, and it was a big win for his company. The guy went through some tremendous stress uh, this year for sure, and uh, like you said, he had to give a lot of zero fucks given. So let let's start uh, this list because what again? It started uh, McGregor versus Cowboy. This is before the pandemic. How many shows did they actually get in 
before the pandemic because that started around so uh, well they always so yeah so they always they always strive i i I forget the exact number it's either 41 or 42 shows a year now they typically have a pay-per-view a month so they had mcgregor versus cowboy january 18th then they had uh which was that was ufc 246 then ufc 247 on february 8th was jones versus reyes um then they had ufc 248 uh and romero that was march 7th and that was the last pay-per-view before there was no fans i i uh i actually remember watching that because i just came back from uh atlantic city from the new jersey state wrestling uh tournament and um yeah well i wasn't wrestling in it but i was there uh then then covid hit and then you know there was, I think there was like one fight night before COVID hit. And um, then from there on, it was COVID UFC, you know, and then the next event was UFC 249 with Ferguson and Gaethje. Well, look at it this way. When COVID hit and they were the first ones back to work, they were the number one thing going. But if you look at these first three fights in January, so January 18th, Conor McGregor versus Donald Cerrone. Uh, and, and again, a 40-second fight. McGregor back better than ever. Again, I think we talked about it last year. He did not um, move an inch off of his perfectly quaffed comb-over. Uh, and by the way, that hair is gone now. He's completely bald. Have you seen recent pictures of the guy? Yeah, and I kind of like it. Good. I, 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 yeah, I kind of like it. it, it it's like it's a little bit like the Irish warrior. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a little bit old school, I feel like. You know, he was growing, he let it go, grow uh, long, and now he's kind of, I feel like back to that focus, McGregor, and it kind of shows by his appearance now. No, but these first two months, McGregor, Cerrone, then you had John Bones Jones versus Dominic Reyes, which went to a decision. This is the second time they fought because Reyes was like the one competitor that kind of gave him a run for his money the first time around. And then in your third pay-per-view, so there were three pay-per-views before everything went down, UFC 248, you had Adesanya versus Yul Romero, which went to decision with a unanimous decision. I mean, those are three bona fide main events back to back to back. Yeah, I mean, they, they were legit main events, first of all. You know, you had the controversial uh, fight with Jones and Reyes, obviously McGregor's big return, and uh, Adesanya versus Romero. You, it was a good fight. A lot of people complained about it. But, uh, you know, you also had Joanna John Jacek versus Wei Li on that fight, which was the co-main event, um, you know, woman's title fight and fantastic fight. Uh, so, yeah, you, they kicked it off the year with a bang. And, um, you know, then a couple events got canceled, and they put on a super card for UFC 249. Did they do UFC 249 and 250 together? No, no, no. They did have UFC 250. It, but it, since there was there was actually some good fights uh, on UFC 250, but um, they had Amanda Nunez defend uh, the belt, the 145-pound belt against uh, Spencer. and. Um, there wasn't any other title fights on it. There wasn't a huge amount of big, big names and partially because they used all the big fighters, big name fighters uh, in most of the divisions for UFC 249. So UFC 250 kind of flew under the radar because UFC 251 was Usman versus Masvidal with, you know, Volkanovsky and Holloway and then Peter Jan and Aldo. And it was just the huge, um, UFC pay-per-view of the summer in July, like they always try to do. Right, and you had Geechee Ferguson at 249, and then you split that and gap it with that huge main event for 251. I could totally see how that went under the radar. Yeah. yeah. Was it uh, Jose versus Henry as well at UFC 250? Jose versus Henry. What do you mean? Or was that supposed to happen? Because I'm looking at the UFC schedule on Fox Sports. It said Saturday, May 9th, Henry Cejudo versus Jose Aldo. So, so a lot. So that was supposed to be scheduled, and um, you know, when the UFC had the year laid out before all this happened, um, stuff just got pushed and moved around. And what ended up happening was Henry Cejudo was supposed to face um, Aldo, and then he got pushed up. And Aldo couldn't go because he couldn't leave his country. 
and uh, Peter Yan couldn't fight him, so they just pushed Dominic Cruz into UFC 249. So there was a lot of there was a lot of fights that were supposed to happen at different dates, and then they just kind of condensed. Interesting. And then after that, it was basically a bunch of fight nights, and we'll get into those because I do I did enjoy a lot of the fight nights this year as well. I think I thought Dana White did a tremendous job with those matchups as well. Uh, but the next big pay-per-view was the one that we commentated, which was Stipe versus DC, uh, the, the the trilogy, which uh, Stipe, after, getting, uh, uh, after blinding Daniel Cormier almost, got the decision, unanimous decision after the fifth round. Uh, we talked about that that night. Uh, again, it, we commentated the entire thing, which was kind of hard, but at the same time, very rewarding at the very end of it. We had our Jim Beam with us, so that helped. Um, what did you think of, of that main event? Because that, that's probably one of those main events that'll go down as probably one of the top in 2020, if not the Geechee Ferguson fight. I think the Geechee Ferguson fight will always be the fight that everyone remembers. Uh, at least in my eyes, it's the fight that's going to stand out to me when I think UFC 2020, it's Geechee's upset win. But, uh, the, 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 the trilogy between Stipe and DC, I think was one for the record books too. Yeah. As far as being competitive, and uh, being a main event, you could say main event for the whole entire year, fight nights including. But as far as a main event, uh, competitive-wise and for pay-per-view, it was probably the best out of any pay-per-view main event, uh, competitive-wise. You know, it was back and forth. Um, you made arguments where each fighter won a round. And... Um, it was fun to watch, you know, these two fought once, uh, twice before both beat each other. Uh, it was the trilogy. It was highly anticipated and they delivered, you know what I mean? Not, not a lot of times, even in rematches, we've seen it, Jack. Um, and it's, it, it was like UFC, uh, 205 with Woodley and Thompson. The first fight was fantastic. And then the second, a little bit of a letdown just because of how good the first fight is. Um, these two fighters, they didn't, you know, let the fans down at all in any of the three fights. So to then go and perform in the trilogy the way they did, I almost think you have to say uh, out of the pay-per-views competitively main event, it was probably the best, you know, because in a lot of these main events, you know, McGregor dusted Cowboy. I mean, you can make the argument John Jones versus Reyes was – up there too, but you know there was some controversy. I Stipe definitely clearly won. You know I don't know. I, my vote would be Stipe um, and Cormier. But you know you look at these others, Ferguson Gaethje. Gaethje dominated that fight. You know um, Usman Masvidal. Usman dominated. Um, and I'm speaking as far as a, a main event for pay-per-views. I think you got to give it to them because Adesanya completely dominated Costa. Uh, Khabib completely dominated Gaethje. And I'm just, you know, going through each um, pay-per-view main event. I guess you could make uh, the argument for the most recent pay-per-view main event between Figueredo versus Moreno. Uh, that was back and forth, and that was very entertaining, especially from a weight class where – not a lot of people have eyes on and um, where a lot of finishes come from. You know, that that went to decision. Figueroa, well, it ended up coming into a draw, I believe, or a majority draw where Figueroa held the belt. Maybe not a draw. Maybe one uh, official um, gave it a draw, but the other two gave it to Figueroa. But anyway, um, you know, it was close. And there was back and forth. So I'd say those two fights, you, you make the argument where competitively, I, I, I'd give them the edge over the rest of them. Because every other fighter or fight, there was one fighter who just dominated. You know what I mean? And uh, you got to give credit there, too, for Figueroa and Moreno. Uh, two quickest, what, the two quickest turnarounds in UFC history. They literally fought at back-to-back pay-per-views, both of them. That, too. Yes. You, and, that's, and they put on a fantastic show. I didn't even think of bringing that up, but you're right. Um, which makes that main event even more so impressive um, going the distance and, and taking a beating from each other. So what would you say pay-per-view wise was your favorite fight of the year? 
Favorite fight or favorite event? Uh, do both. Surprise me. <laughs> event, you know, I think you got to go UFC 249. You know, it was so stacked. Um, the, the main event, obviously, Gaethje upsetting Ferguson. Not many people but you uh, saw that coming. Yep. And, uh, you know, you had great fights up and down. You know, you had Francis's wild knockout over uh, Jarzinho Rosenstrike. You had Calvin Cater having a fantastic knockout over Jeremy Stevens. And then you had um, Henry Cejudo beating Dominic Cruz. Just some great fights put on and also great performances. Um, obviously, there were some super cards such as UFC 251 uh, in the summer with Usman uh, and Masvidal and the other title fights. But I don't know. I think just coming off of uh, being the first, you know, fight back, fight card back um, after the pandemic hit, uh, UFC 249 was definitely it for me. And fight of the year for me personally, I, you know, I think you had a lot of contenders obviously i think figueredo versus moreno being one of them uh poirier versus hooker being one of them um but i'm actually giving it to a pair of females i'm giving it to zhang wei li and Joanna john jacek from ufc 248 uh that fight was just insane like i remember watching it and being like how the hell are these two taking this damage they just beat the shit out of each other they hit so fast and hard for their their weight they're light and fast. It just was unbelievable. Joanna had a huge hematoma on her head. She looked like an alien. Um, they both were just hitting each other with stuff I don't even know how they didn't get knocked down from. And they went on for five rounds. So for me, it was it was insane. But That's interesting. And yeah. right off the bat, my fight of the year, because I didn't think you were going to go that. I was going to go Figueroa Moreno. Uh, at, at the okay. very end there at 256 I think it was and uh, I, I think that's definitely an, it, it's got to be an argument it does that I mean, fight was great for, for both of them to come back on literally I, how many days was it literally one pay-per-view later for both it, of it them was like a month back. it was less than a month this turnaround in, in in the sports history for both men uh, and they and they showed up I mean, they both showed up to fight. I mean, the mentality you have to have to do that on a moment's notice, again, it was probably no more than three weeks' notice, maybe even less, uh, for them to come back after fighting at the at the uh, 255 pay-per-view. I mean, that's astonishing to me. And then I always go back for, you know, the shows of the year, those first three, McGregor and Cerrone, and then you had Jones-Reyes, uh, and then you had Adesanya versus Romero. Those are the one, two, three punch, first three months of the year before the pandemic hit. But the, again, the show of the year has got to be 249. First one back from the pandemic, Fight Island. Uh, Khabib can't, can't, can't go because he's got to fly back to Russia because he can't fight. And uh, Tony Ferguson, who had everything to lose in that scenario, ends up the loser because Justin Geechee comes out of nowhere, the opportunity of a lifetime. And I told you this eight months ago when we did that podcast, I'm like, there's, I totally see him picking up the win of his life here uh, to skyrocket his career. And he ends up getting a giant title fight against Khabib, which obviously we all know how that turned out. Khabib uh, took care of business like he always does, undefeated, retired in the, in the middle of the octagon. We'll see where that goes though. Cause he is going to talk to Dana White in a few weeks at Fight Island. Uh, but that's probably one of the bigger moments. Again, I'm going UFC 249 there, but uh, UFC, uh, I forget, what was it, 253, 254 with Khabib versus uh, Justin Geechee. I think that was one of the big, bigger moments of 2020 when Khabib retired. That was probably the biggest moment. You know, and I think everyone in the sport uh, felt for him. And, and I even said it to you uh, when we did the pre-fight pod. I said, you know, Jack, I don't – and I was sitting in an empty room. I hadn't talked to anyone face-to-face uh, -face in a few days and I was like um, I was sitting in the room because I had COVID but um, I just felt I was like Jack I feel like there's an energy right now that's bigger than normal and bigger than a, a specific pay-per-view maybe because I was watching so many videos and, and interviews but I just felt this energy on both sides there was just tremendous stories behind each fighter going into that main event and uh Obviously, how could you not feel for Habib after that fantastic performance?
And what we were talking about this before, he's going to be at Fight Island for this McGregor Poirier fight. So yeah, I don't know if he'll be. I mean, I'm assuming he's going to be there at the fight. Um, so there will be fans at these fights on Abu Dhabi, limited capacity. But uh, Dana White has said in a couple of interviews that uh, Habib will be on Fight Island, and as soon as he's going to get there, uh, they're going to meet and discuss and talk about Habib's future and. Um, they're going to figure it out. And I'm assuming Dana is going to let the media know relatively soon after they discuss, you know, and I'm assuming that discussion will happen within 24 hours of Habib arriving to Abu Dhabi. When he arrives, I have no clue. Um, but I just know that that meeting will take place. And is, is he going to talk to Dana White or is he just there for the fun of it? Probably a combination of both. I'm, I'm, I'm sure he wants to see, McGregor versus Poirier, you know, I, he probably would just wants to see it. Um, and he's probably also going to talk to Dana. He probably hasn't seen Dana since they left uh, Fight Island that one time. And um, I'm assuming he wants to see, you know, some people obviously that work with the UFC and that he's close with. And it's just an opportunity also to leave where he is uh, and, you know, be around the UFC community. Um, I think just multiple reasons, you know, I think it works out. Obviously they could have a phone call, but probably a face to face meeting race. And Dana probably requested it of him because uh, Dana has said, you know, he's going to really try and press and do the biggest, best job he can to get one more fight out of Habib. So we'll see. And we've talked about it over and over and over and over again with the, uh, you know, Khabib and, retiring in the middle of the octagon Dana White right away saying like yeah it was an emotional moment but he's probably going to rethink that in the coming days coming weeks coming months and about trying to chase that even number because what is he 39 and 0 he'd be 40 and 0 he'd be chasing uh, 29 and then he, he would be 30. I always get that wrong yeah. for some reason well it's it's screwed up because then you think of like Floyd and exactly. yeah yeah too many goons up there too yeah yeah <laughs> And we'll get into Floyd later because he's got a big fight in, in the next few weeks as well against the top yeah. uh, challenger. So, Yeah, top challenger, uh, fantastic fighter. Absolutely fantastic fighter. So and that's said with – and for, for people who can't see me right now, that is said with 100% sarcasm. Mike's a very sarcastic son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that, that fight to me – is uh, inevitable. I think Khabib will come back and chase that uh, uh, that pristine thirty and zero. Who who his challenger will be? Who knows? Because he hasn't been stripped of the title, has he? No, and and Dana won't do it. And I think until he has that meeting, I think if he can't get uh, even a percent of Habib to say possibly, you know what I mean. Um, I think if there's any percent on the fence of maybe having another fight. I think Dana will let him hold on to that title until Habib, you know, gives him the 100% no. Um, and obviously he's going to do a lot of feeling out the situation when he talks to Habib as well to see what's going to go on uh, and what he thinks could be, you know, a potential case. But we'll see. Um, you know, Habib has uh, run through a lot of divisions, so it's going to have to be a fighter who, who comes up uh, and really impresses him and, and uh, you know, motivates him to get back. Or I don't really know if there's going to be, you know, I, I think they would have made uh, a fight with him with a heavier fighter, such as, you know, 170 pound fighter, um, if they were going to do that. But I don't think they are. You know what I mean? I think that would have been something he would have said, you know, motivates me. But um, that wasn't a situation. So I think he would stay at the 155 pound division. And he probably views, you know, if Connor wipes all these guys out, I ran through Connor. What's what's there there for me? You know, I was better than him. And Habib doesn't need the money. Habib's just motivated by competition. So if there is none, why does he need to fight? Well, that's what I was going to ask you. Like to put yourself in Khabib's shoes and Khabib's body. Like if you're sitting there with Dana White uh, next Saturday night, January twenty third, in the back in catering. What 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 type of carrot does he got to dangle in front of your face in order to be like okay I'll come back for that because like you just said McGregor would probably be the biggest fight but been there done that he ran through him 
I mean, he ran through basically his entire team after the fight. Um, and basically, there's no other young and up-and-coming guys that would probably attract him to come back. Yeah, you know, I don't think there is um, much that Dana White can do. First of all, because Habib has so, mu- uh, so much money, and for where Habib lives in the world um, and what the U.S. dollar is worth, he's even more rich because of that. Um, and I think that, you know, like I said, it, it's competition. So I think Habib would have to tell Dana, look, I think this guy might be able to, you know, motivate me, um, put him up in the number one contender fight. And if he wins, I'll come back. You know, they might do that. Um, but who? You know, the only guy I could say maybe is Charles Oliveira, who just beat Tony Ferguson. And Oliveira looked very scary in that fight. Um, so if he runs through someone, you know, maybe the winner of um, Connor and Poirier, or maybe if he beats Justin Gaethje, we'll see. Um, but I also think a big thing for Habib leaving this division is uh, someone who's very close to him, Islam Makachev, a uh, training partner who fights in the same division. I think Habib wants him to be able to go up the rankings and maybe challenge for that title. And I don't think Habib wants to be the, the, the champion when Islam has his time. You know, he doesn't want to fight. It's like fighting your little brother. You know, you don't want to do that. So um, I don't blame him. And I think he wants to let him have his time. And uh, another thing is, is, you know, when you've trained your whole life, I think, you know, and you've achieved everything, it's almost like a Henry Cejudo type thing. You've worked so hard your whole entire life. You finally have had fulfillment and success. You know, now you can take that and, and give it to some other people and do some other things and have a little bit of fun with your life. Because those people, those fighters, um, they dedicated themselves. You know, they, they did a lot that uh, the average kid didn't do because they didn't make the same sacrifices. You know what I mean? So I think now, even though they're young and you say, oh, you know, they're just in their prime. Like, what could they do? But you know what? They did so much growing up to get where they are. And they're, that's why they're so good. And um, retiring early might not be such a bad thing in their mind because of it. You know what I mean? So, How many times have we seen people retire younger, though, and then just be uh, enticed to come back, though? I don't think there's ever been one pure retirement where it's like, oh, he was in the prime of his career. Perfect time to retire. Wish him all the best. But then he comes back. Well, that's the thing. I think, you know, two things there, you know, the passion for the sport and motivation and competition, you know, you, you start to wonder, you know, is he better than me? No, I, you know, no one was better than me. I'm going to prove it. You know what I mean? It's that type of thing. And also just another thing is, you know, you just love competing. You just love that, you know, and these fighters obviously do it. That's why they fight. So, um, it's hard to say, but I, we're going to hear news soon, so I'm excited to, to hear that. And just uh, to go back, you were talking about some of the fights kind of leading up to his retirement. Uh, you got to give our condolences to Tony Ferguson's title chances, as well as his Ooh. chances to fight Khabib Nurmagomedov. Because it, yeah, no. Uh, what, six tries? Six tries and uh, no cigar for, for Mr. Tony Ferguson. He loses the big fight recently against Oliveira, which was heart-shattering for him, I'm sure because that was a make-or-break fight for him. Now he's literally at the bottom of the, the totem pole. Yeah, we, we won't see that fight. And you know what? I was super upset by it, but I've kind of accepted it. Um, I realized that it's not ever going to happen, obviously, probably because Habib might not ever fight again. But um, also just that Tony Ferguson needs to get his groove back. Um, you know, he's got to fight a lower-ranked opponent and just try and climb, you know. But I think more so than anything, it just shows how good Charles Oliveira is. He's super, super, super good. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. I didn't even realize he was that good um, until he defeated Tony Ferguson. But um should be interesting to see, you know, those two, how, you know, they pan out in this division. Uh, it's going to be interesting, you know, because Tony's obviously got to bounce back. I don't think he's done. I don't think he's washed up. I just think that he's fighting the best fighters there are, you know, and some guys might just be better than him. And obviously, um, 
Oliveira was that night. And, um, you know, Tony, Tony seems to be a better five-round fighter. It's just how it is. So we'll see. Did he have two or three fights this year? Two after the, the Gaethje loss? No, no, no. Um, that was Gaethje loss and, and Oliveira. Wasn't he just that. supposed to fight before Oliveira, though? Yeah, there was talks that he was going to fight uh, Dustin Poirier, actually. And then they just could never – they never could put that fight together. So he literally went from number one contender to having to fight for the interim belt, basically. Like, okay, like exhibition just to, like, keep myself going. You lose that fight. Biggest upset of the year. Pushing you back in line. And then Thanks to a comeback fight, basically. And yeah. And now he's yeah. Now he's just toast. I mean, you he is. He is ranked number five. So you know, if you beat, it's tough. You know, because now Dan Hooker is is uh, fighting. There's a lot of up and comers that really impressed over the past few well, months too. Well, that's the thing. You know, Dan Hooker is going to fight Michael Chandler, obviously on on UFC 257. So, uh, to be honest with you, I think no matter what. Chandler does as long as Chandler doesn't get smoked I think they're going to insert him into the rankings which could hurt Ferguson um Dan Hooker gets a win he's probably going to go above Ferguson Ferguson's the number fifth ranked Dan Hooker's number six so win for Dan Hooker I think he gets put above Ferguson and uh a win for Chandler he probably goes above Ferguson too so we're gonna see you know obviously uh some stuff's going to move around after this pay-per-view of U- UFC 257. And then, you know, we're going to see how it works out from there. Uh, surprisingly, Connor is ranked number four. Dustin Poirier, number two. Justin Gaethje, number one. And Charles Oliveira, number three. Either one of McGregor or Poirier wins, they're going to be bumped instantly to number one. It's just how it's going to be. And uh, I think what makes sense for Oliveira and Gaethje both is just to have them fight each other. Which would be a tremendous fight. I'd look forward to that fight. And then, I would too. And I think Khabib's impending return or retirement is the biggest uh, thing going on right now for this McGregor-Poirier fight. Because it's either a number one contender bout or it's just kind of, again, like a, another exhibition for Connor to draw in fans. You know, yeah, I, I think this fight for both fighters, though, it means more. It, really, when you think about this, I would say the best two fighters in the division besides Khabib are Dustin and Connor. So this really is uh, a title fight when you think about it, just if Habib's retired, you know? That's how I view it. This, this, this fight is for the best of 155 minus Habib. You know, there's an asterisk there, but whatever. So with everything lining up, I mean, we always kind of try to look months in ahead into Dana uh, White's mindset about what he's going to put on the cards moving forward. What do you think could potentially be the biggest fight in 2021 when it's all said and done? Yeah, I mean, that was actually something I was thinking about earlier today, you know, because there's so many fights that can happen, you know what I mean? Um, Obviously, if Habib fights again, it's got to be huge, you know what I mean? Um, But also, you know, John Jones has been silent. Well, not quite silent on social media, um, but he's going up to heavyweight. And when he makes his return, that's going to be big. That could be the biggest fight of 2021 when you think about it. Uh, John Jones in a new weight class, potentially fighting for the heavyweight belt. If he's the heavyweight champ at the end of 2021, I think that's huge and could be the biggest moment of 2021. You know, it, it just shows that he is the GOAT of MMA. Which would lead to a Jones-Stipe fight. What, uh, what do you mean? Oh, Jones and Stipe, yeah. Now, I think Joan – well, actually, Stipe is supposed to fight Francis Ngannou in the spring, early spring. But Jones will probably fight the winner. Um, but Jones is supposed to fight at heavyweight this year. You know, he's moving up to heavyweight. I think he will fight at heavyweight in 2021. Um, and I don't think Jones takes any other fight than the title fight, you know, when it's ready, when they're offering it to him. You know what I mean? So I think that is gigantic. Um, obviously, you know, our guy, Henry Cejudo, if he returned, that's gigantic. Uh, whether he returns to flyweight bantamweight or goes up to featherweight and challenges 
Volkanovsky or whoever's the champion at the time. Um, I think that would be gigantic as well. Boom or bust. Does Brock Lesnar return to MMA in 2021? We ask ourselves this every single year because it would be a huge coup for UFC as well as us to watch him back in a UFC octagon. We haven't seen him since, what, he fought Mark Hunt in 2016? UFC 200 bringing a big fight and he was contracted by both WWE and UFC to fight. And then he, he teased the conversation pushing DC in the middle of the octagon after his big win. We never got to see the DC Lesnar fight that we all dreamed about for so many years because now DC's done. Uh, But Brock Lesnar versus John Jones, Brock Lesnar versus Stipe Miocic question mark. I'd love to see it. I think those are big fights, and that could be arguably the biggest fight of 2021 if it happened. And if you're going to see Brock return ever, it's got to be this year, I think. Uh, But I'm going to say no, and I'm going to say we never see Brock compete in MMA again. Well, that's disappointing. That was so disappointing. You know I'm a huge huge Brock fan, but I just – I don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, he's got so much money on the table, whether it's from Vince and WWE or Tony Khan and AEW. I mean, it's so much easier for him to just show up, uh, take a few bumps in the wrestling ring when it's all planned out and storylined. Uh, he makes so much more money. I mean, I mean, if, if his heart's in it, which nobody really knows, he's out in Saskatchewan somewhere hunting, hunting down some deer, elk, whatever. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, for him, Brock Lesnar is going to do whatever the hell Brock Lesnar wants to do. We've said it so many times, uh, but I'd love to see him in, in the octagon. I mean, John Jones beats Stipe. Lesnar comes back to face John Bones Jones. That's probably the biggest fight in UFC history to date. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, <laughs> look, I, I, I'd love, um, to see Brock return. You know, you just said everything of why he probably won't. But uh, we're going to see Jones return. And I think regardless of who Jones fights, whether it's go- it's probably it's going to be Stipe or, or Francis, whoever's the champion, that's got to be the biggest fight of 2021, at least of what we could predict. Um, again, unless Habib returns. And I'd probably say John Jones versus the heavyweight champ is even bigger than Henry Cejudo just because of, just to, to casualize, you know what I mean? Um, maybe not to fight fans' eyes or to me me and your eyes, but uh, to a casuals fan, uh, fan's eyes, I'd say John Jones going up to heavyweight's got to be the biggest one that you could predict. But I will say, as far as what is scheduled, Israel Adesanya versus Jan Blachowicz, um, that's something that I'm excited for and I'm interested to see. Obviously, Israel moving up from heavyweight to challenge Jan, who is the light heavyweight champion, um, that's that's exciting. And it's, I mean, I'd say I'm more excited to see Connor versus Poirier. But the second fight that I'm most excited to see has got to be that, just because of Israel moving up. I want to see how he does against a bigger guy. And uh, Israel has been talking a lot of shit to John Jones, saying, you know, he's going to, he would beat John in a fight. And they've shit talked a shit ton. Could we see Israel fight John? I don't know. I think I, th- I, th- I think I would bigger, sign but... up for that fight over Jones being uh, bumped up to heavyweight. If that fight, I, I would. People, I'd sign up for that in a heartbeat. I would too, but I don't know. John now moving up to heavyweight, and Israel now deciding to move up to light heavyweight. It's like, okay, well, why didn't we just do this before? You know what I mean? Um, but we'll see. You know, obviously Israel's got to beat Jan before anything. Because uh, if he loses, it's like, well, how are you going to fight John Jones? You know, John Jones wiped out this division, um, and he couldn't be the 205 champ with the asterisk, not John Jones or Daniel Cormier. So that's there as well. So in your expertise, like if you were a betting man, which, again, at this point, I guess we could both admit that we are. Uh, yeah. Yeah. John Jones being bumped up to heavyweight or a John Jones Adesanya fight in 2021. What's the more likely scenario? Oh, John Jones at heavyweight, 100%. I I think John is definitely gonna fight in heavy in the heavyweight division in 2021. Um, against who? Can't say right now until that title fight between Stipe and Francis happens. Um, I think we will eventually get Adesanya versus Jones, but it just – I don't think it'll be this year. It could be next year, 2022. 
Here's another boomer bust for you. Uh, Conor McGregor, champion again in 2021. Yes. You think so? And I said I said that with confidence and fast. Um, yeah, as long as Habib is is done. And, and look, the only way I really, like, everyone's saying, like, you know, what makes sense for Habib next, the winner of Poirier and McGregor. I, I, I disagree. I think if Habib comes back, give him a new guy or a legend – a legend fight, not for the belt. And um, that's it. You know, like, I don't think have him fight anyone that he's fought before. That's just my personal preference. Um, and if Habib stays retired, obviously, he ain't going to be champ. So I think McGregor's the best in there other than uh, Habib. The only guy I, I'd say could give Connor problems is probably Charles Oliveira, and that's if. Oliveira gets him to the ground. I think Connor's the best striker in that division, without a doubt. And I think we're going to see that when he fights Poirier at UFC 250, 250, uh, yeah, 257. Um, it's going to be a huge fight, too, because that determines huge. whether your prediction is right or not. Because if McGregor loses, uh, big win for Poirier. McGregor, yeah. he still has star. He's always going to have star power. Like, Dana's always going to bring him back if he wants to fight. But he's in no position to win a title or even be in title contention if he loses. Because what, his last fight was, again, a smoke show against Cowboy. But before that, he was obliterated by Khabib. Like, there was yeah. really no excuse for that. He had to take that one on the chin. There was really nothing you could look at. He was just outfought, outstrategized by a better fighter. And looking back at that two years ago now, like, you can honestly say Khabib was the better fighter in that fight. So this is a huge fight, I think, for Conor McGregor. If he still has... Uh, that 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 warrior mentality in him and, and like that fire inside of his soul that wants to be a champion again in the UFC. I agree with you, and I think um, Connor has Connor fought Habib probably the best. Uh, well, let's say Connor did the best out of any any other uh, fight that Habib has had. You know, he he made it the the well. Yeah, he, he made it the longest, and uh, I think he did the best. Um, but I also think that that was a Connor that wasn't as motivated uh, as he normally is. Um, a lot of distractions. You know, I can make excuses for Connor, but, but if he goes out there and starches Dustin Poirier, I see how people make the argument. You know, like Connor's more motivated. Connor's just in a better place right now to fight Habib again. But I still think Habib is going to just go in there and go to the ground. You know, I don't think – I think Habib will realize, like, I don't want to strike with him, but I want to take him down. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of what-ifs with this. You know what I mean? So many what-ifs. Obviously, we got to see how Connor and Dustin, that fight, how that goes. And then we also have to see what Habib says to Dana. Um, but there's a lot of what-ifs. What if Connor beats Dustin and contends for a lightweight title down the road? What if Khabib returns after announcing his retirement a few months ago? What if Brock Lesnar returns to MMA in 2021? But the biggest what if I want to ask you, Mike, is what if by some stretch of the imagination, hell freezes over, what if Logan Paul defeats the greatest boxer of our generation and Floyd Money Mayweather Jr. I can see it now. Logan Paul's hand being raised after uh, a knocks him out. Round knocks fight. him out. No, he knocks will not out. knock him out. Floyd Mayweather, I don't think will ever ever be knocked out just because of his own fight strategy. You know exactly. So, in my opinion, um, I don't know. I know Floyd's getting older, but like, unless you put him in against this, just this young dog who's going to outwork him just because Floyd's getting older, uh, Floyd's only way of losing is probably getting knocked out. So if Paul doesn't knock him out, Floyd's going to just rip him apart all around. You know what I mean? Like, Floyd's just a, a boxer. And I know we talked about this a little bit last time. You know, Jake Paul, he's just. He doesn't train nearly as long. He doesn't know nearly as much. It doesn't matter about the size. Look how – all right, think about this. Conor McGregor is a mixed martial artist. He was beating Floyd, right? But why did Floyd win? Because he had more knowledge of boxing and he was a better boxer. 
And Kyle, uh, and Conor McGregor use uses striking. His his striking is his biggest strength in MMA, and he still used it against Con. You know, I just think that Floyd knows too much. He's too good at what he does to lose against a, a jerk off. I'm I'm gonna curse. Um, Logan Paul and the Pauls are a bunch of fucking tools, and um, you're gonna see it. You're gonna see it. Everyone's gonna see it. It's just, it's going to happen. It's, it's almost a waste, a waste of time, a waste of energy, and certainly a waste of goddamn money that people are going to pay. And that son of a bitch is going to get money for fighting Floyd Mayweather. I think it's so ridiculous that that guy's going to get so much. His call, though. Can you blame him? Can you blame him for wanting to trash talk? Yeah, because Floyd. And can you? I don't you understand why Floyd needs all this money to, to trash talk Conor McGregor because those are. But why does Why does Floyd need the money? money? Why does Floyd need the money? Really, he has so much to begin with. He's in and debt. He's always been in debt. He's always been in debt, but he always has these fights and makes a crazy amount of money. He has Mayweather promotions. He he trains boxers. He has gyms. Like, how is he, he not making enough to pay all of those his... paychecks on thirty thousand dollar fur coats? The it's guy a is a spending machine. He has no idea how to manage his money. It's but after all this time, after all this time, you still think that like he's he not learned has... from his mistakes. The guy was Connor spends like a motherfucker, but it seems like Connor's doing fine financially. I mean, as of right now, I guess he's young. I guess in a couple of years we could find out that he's in some debt. But he seems all right right now. Like, and we know Connor spends. We also know Connor has, you know, his whiskey out and his clothing brand out. But it, I, 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 think, I find I that think almost, Connor is a smarter businessman. I, I could agree. I with think that. he I, battled I think a can lot more. Ridiculous. I think he went through a lot more stress and battled a lot more adversity in his early days coming up. Uh, in order to earn the spot that he's in today uh, compared to Floyd May- Mayweather, who grew up with a father who was a great boxer in his own right. And uncle and uncle too. Exactly. So like he was family, bored, you know? so you're right. bred into what he did where Conor McGregor had to scratch and claw in order to get his way to the top. His wife, then girlfriend there was with him through thick and thin going through all of that when they literally were making $130 a week, just trying to uh, afford their own rent. You know, so I think Conor McGregor kind of values more of the, the lifestyle that he has now today. Hard upbringing. Like you said, he does spend a lot of stuff on a lot of money on a lot of ridiculous stuff. But I think now he's a father. He's got two kids now, a boy and a girl. I think he values. Um, I, I don't want to say he values his family more, but at the same time, Floyd Mayweather, again, like just I don't think he values. um the people around him as much as Conor McGregor does. Like I, I was looking on, because uh, uh, this fight's going to be on Fanmeo, uh, which is like the latest uh, fan f- celebrity experience out there for like an app, because there's the Cameo app. And Floyd Mayweather has given out, or for a Cameo, it's $1,000 for Floyd Mayweather. And if you look on some of those, they're like 10 second videos. He's just like, keep your head up. Let's go. Like just stupid stuff. Yeah. Uh, people are paying a thousand dollars for that. I don't think he cares about um, uh, the the little things like Connor does. Uh, I, I, you're right. You know, you hit that. Um, you you made a lot of great points, and like you're saying, I don't think Floyd cares about his fans as much as Connor does. Um, Connor cares about his country, cares about his fans, his family, how he was raised. Uh, yes, he had some issues. Yes, he's a crazy guy. And I think that's just part of the nature of being so talented and so good at fighting. You know, you see a lot of these good fighters. A lot of them are a little bit crazy. Um, and they have a little bit of issues outside of, of the ring or octagon. But like you just said, I think he values a lot more than Floyd. And that that's you're right. That's why he's a little bit wiser and a little bit more humble uh, with his choices. He's always been smart. You know, you just hear it through how he talks and, and how he's negotiated in the past. The guy is smart. You know, you could hate him. You could love him. But you got to respect him. You just got to. You know, this guy, we've been fans of him. This is He's who brought us into the UFC, you know. And uh, you got to respect the guy. 
Uh, what was I going to say? I mean, if he was the closest one, I think, re in recent memory. Obviously, the guy retired a few times, but he was the closest in recent memory that stood a chance against Floyd Mayweather. But to your credit, uh, just his, his savviness, his expertise. Yeah, his knowledge there's, been, there's been some close ones. Um, but at the same time, there's been some criticism of fighters who fought Floyd and what Floyd did against those fighters. Even you could criticize Floyd against Connor, you know, using the rules to his advantage, you know, turning away bullshit. And, you know, Connor showed that he's a good striker in that fighter in that fight, even though he lost. But, um, you know. Floyd still f who Floyd is, you know. Floyd in his prime is arguably the best boxer of all time. I mean, another thing I'll say about Conor, though, is that you you know that he can handle losing. Like I said, his upbringing, the way how he had to fight for everything, he went through so much failure growing up, which has led to his stardom, uh, uh, kind of building him up in order to battle everything uh, like a man. Like, every time he loses, he's like, all right, I'm just going to take this one on the chin. We'll move forward. We'll bounce back. And then he does, you know. And he does better than ever. You, I, I mean, obviously the guy's never lost, so you can't really say that Floyd Mayweather – like there's no instance where you can say Floyd Mayweather handled losing well. We saw with Ronda Rousey, I think she handles losing terribly. Mm. Um, I think that's safe to say. She literally didn't show her face for almost two years after yeah. leaving the Holly home, and then she loses again to Amanda Nunez, and she leaves the sport entirely. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it would be interesting to see. I mean, this is the guy I would not want Floyd to lose to at all. I mean, could you imagine the amount of publicity and positive feedback that, that the Paul brothers would get uh, from this, or at least Logan Paul? And then, of course, that'll signify a Jake Paul uh, fight attempt against Conor McGregor sometime down the road, because he's been calling him out for months. But notice Conor won't say anything. Why? Conor's smart, and Conor won't give this douchebag the light of day. And that you can't give them the light of day. You just can't, you know? Um, actually, I saw this today that one of Conor's sparring partners – uh, actually kind of started shooting fire at uh, Jake Paul, and Jake Paul started shooting fire back at him. Let that happen. The guy's 15-1. and one. He's an Irish boxer. He's legit. He trains with Connor. Uh, he'd probably like the shit out of Jake Paul. He probably would. So let that happen, you know? Um, but, yeah, the, really, it's the attention. These fighters, you know, they – this is what the YouTubers are looking for. They're looking for attention, and then you give it to them, uh, and they hope that they could get a huge money fight, and they're getting paid, and if they lose, they don't care. It's, it's a win-win for these guys, you know? They win. They're like, wow, I just beat so-and-so. You know, it's, it's annoying, and it's frustrating. But um, Con I think Connor's doing the right thing of how he's handling it, not even responding to the guy. Yeah, well, Judgment Day is coming for Logan Paul for sure. February 21st. Remember, it's on Fanmeo, Mayweather versus Paul. We got McGregor Poirier coming up next Saturday. We're 11 days out from that, January 23rd. Uh, the first MMA show of 2021. First of many, Mike. Yep. I mean, it's good to be back. I took a decent amount of time off of uh doing podcasts not on purpose i wanted to get some out um but just stuff going on being home uh not being in the groove of things so it's good to be back good to be back talking with you way to kick off of you know 2021 that was episode 34